if you're going to race cars, mate, you're going to crash cars. Are you telling me you made a time machine out of a McLaren? Oh, my dad always says you shouldn't hit boys, mate. Oh, uh, well, we're not friends. Well, racing is life. Anything that happens before or after, just waiting. You're listening to The Grid Girls with Saski and Sarah. Sarah Connors, you survived Long Beach. Barely. Barely I survived Long Beach. <laughs> yeah. Anyone who's obviously watching this live um, can see this, but uh, for those who are podcasting or listening to this podcast at a later date, Sarah is literally the most miserable human being I've seen in a while right now. I opened up our broadcast to find her essentially a human burrito wrapped in blankets and all of this. And she's like, but it's so cold here. And I'm like, yeah, um, are you, are you, are you okay over there? No, I mean, I just, I got really sunburnt last weekend and then I came home to a snowstorm. So happy April, everybody. (laughs) It's like that going from hot to cold. You're bound to get, you're bound to catch something, I feel. Yeah, no, it's not working out so well for me, but the actual race was really fantastic. Um, Yeah, we had a really good time. That is what we want to hear. So we're going to talk to you guys. Uh, We're going to talk to not you guys, but you a little bit later. And we're going to hear about not only what happened at Long Beach, but how great it was for you guys. I mean, uh, you, you covered the mate, you covered the event as a member of the media, which is the first time anybody has accredited the grid girls for anything. So. Sure. Thank you very much, Formula E, for your progressiveness <laughs> in accepting all women, women-centric motorsports podcasts into your media core. We thank you. Um, let's start with our big thing. Let's talk about women in motorsports, and oh, let's man. talk about Simona Di Silvestro. I have so many feelings. Simona came in ninth this weekend, fam. Simona scored which, points. Which makes Simona... The first woman to score points in Formula E. So this is Formula E's second season, and there's been, I believe, eight Formula E races so far. Nope, there have been six, but she drove in two of them last year. Ah, okay. Sorry, sorry. I wasn't sure. So our notes over here says there's eight races, but I wasn't sure whether you meant there had been eight races in the season. Simona had competed in eight. Okay. So in her sixth race of the season, her eighth race in Formula E, Smyrna Di Silvestri comes ninth, starting 13th, I believe to record the first points for a female driver in the series. Now, A, this is awesome. I believe Simona is the third female driver to compete in the series after Catherine Legg and Michaela Cerruti. Yep, that's correct. You know, that's quite strong pronunciation there. Yeah, um, Cerruti, yep, yep. So, so third female driver, first to get points. We're only in the, se- the second year. This gives me hope for women in motorsports. Because oh, this is this is kind of like the new, like obviously Formula E is the new kind of fledgling sport on the scene. But Formula E is also like the politically correct sport. It's going about things in the right way. You know, it has some demographics that are slightly more representative of the real world. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. And also, I mean, if we want to get into the technicalities of it, uh, what she's done this week was even more amazing because Amlin Andretti are still running last year's. Uh, they're running last year's package. They're um, they were in talks to or they had developed their own for this year. Uh, they got to testing and none of it really worked, so they had to go back to last year's kit. Um, that's basically the equivalent of the teams running last year's engines in F1 actually scoring points. So hey, it's fantastic. We're going to get onto that later because whilst it hasn't happened yet. Watching, uh, watching some people race this year, it, 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 it just like Toro Rosso is running last year's Ferrari engine, and they've got points. They do, they do. Um, but yeah, it's 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 really good to see in in Formula E that you know they can still be somewhat competitive. Um, she's had some issues with energy management uh, that her teammate has not had, um, so it's good to see her kind of getting that under control. Yep. Um, it but gives yeah. us, it gives us it gives us hope for. You know, more points as the season progresses. Mm-hmm. And season three is looking really good too. So, I mean, I know yep. we're not even halfway through at this so, point, but. I was about to ask, um, I, I am not the Formula E expert around here. That is undoubtedly you. How many races are left in the Formula E season? 
Oh no, uh, I, I wanna say eight or nine. We're not quite halfway through, but. And, and presently they have one race in the US or two? One, just one. one. Although. So they have Long Beach. Yeah. And potentially we're going to be seeing Montreal in the next season. Possibly Montreal, but they're also in talks to do one in New York City. Wonderful. So I'm hearing incredible. that Montreal looks good. Yeah. You're hearing that Montreal looks good. So fingers crossed, because mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to go to the Montreal actual Grand Prix this year. And I may also miss the Toronto Indy as well. So there is a high <laughs> chance that the Montreal Formula E race will be the first motorsports event I've attended in person, unless they schedule it on like opening weekend for the Canadian Women's Hockey League with, with my luck could potentially happen. I think they're talking about it being sometime in September. So you should be okay. Okay, that's okay. I think I can do September. (laughs) September is looking okay. Um, Speaking of women in motorsports, I know it's not a series that we follow in the least, but it passed me by this weekend, and I thought it was definitely worth our mentioning. Um... Uh, Alexa, Alexis, uh, I, you know what? Let me just double check that I have it written down here. I wanted to make sure I got the names right on this one. Yes, Alexis Dijora, who is a funny car driver in the mm. NHRA, won this weekend. And that is the third different female driver in three consecutive weekends to have won a race. That's so awesome. far, we've had Leah Prickett, who, Leah Pritchett, who won Top Fuel. The previous week, the next weekend, Brittany Force won Top Fuel. And then we've had Alexis DeJura, who won the Funny Car. Now, Pritchett's first win was against Brittany Force, and that was the first time since 1982 that they've had an all-female final in any of the categories. Now, I admit... I don't know much about drag racing. It's I hell should ask. Watch, dude. Oh my god! I should <laughs> ask my mum. My mum, I believe, drag raced at one point in her life, oh, or went so in cool. drag cars someone somewhere, and so she has a bit of a knowledge about it. Um, but uh, the NHRA, and actually another fact about it that I saw this weekend: the NHRA, like final round in Vegas had a 1.3 million viewers. That's mm-hmm. more than twice the amount of viewers that tuned in for the Bahrain Grand Prix. Well, they always they always show NHRA on uh, on ESPN. So it's more... Yes, so NHRA is actually on Fox Sports 1 this year. Okay. And it had 1.3 million viewers on Sunday up against the Bahrain Grand Prix's 516,000 for the live broadcast of, on NBC. Uh, I I read, and this is this is like my nerdy thing. I always really like to read what the viewership numbers are for sporting events. I get an email that gives me like the top sporting events for the previous week, and I pick those. Obviously, they did much better than they did uh, for the Australian Grand Prix. I think they got a zero point two share of overnight for that because it was at two a.m. and yeah. everybody was in. <laughs> at least far started uh, at eleven Eastern time. Like that's oh man, terrible. it was so good. Don't I talk to like, me. <laughs> oh, such good timing. I well, it doesn't affect. Well, I love how you like. Don't talk to me. It was it's like what was it at eight a.m. in and mm-hmm. out there. Yes, it was. Oh, we we drove to we drove to a Formula One bar in Santa Monica, so we had to leave Long Beach at like seven o'clock in the morning. Okay, that sounds pretty fun. Uh, it was. It was good. Yeah. Um, don't complain to me about the time of sporting events. I lived in Australia. You live in Toronto now. I can do it. I know. I but I was like, I lived in Australia for 24 years. I'm pretty well versed on being like, why is everything at midnight? Why is everything at 2 a.m.? Um, you choose to watch these series, okay? That's no one's fault but your own, sis. You choose to support <laughs> these sports. It's actually like, you know, when you and I try and watch GP2 and and the uh, the the Sunday sprint race is always at like three the races at, yeah, if the race is at 8 a.m. <laughs> it's always at three. So you and I watch a lot of GP2 feature races because they're after qualifying. Like if qualifying's at eight, the feature race is like at 9, 30, 10. So it's great. You can eat your breakfast and watch it and things like that. But Sprint races, I'm like, I love you guys, but, like, no. And GP3 is even worse. Like, you want to get up and watch a race at 8? You want to watch GP3? You're up at 2.30, 3 a.m. to watch that race. And it's just like, I love you, Tatiana Calderon, but, like, late-night sporting events suck. 
thank you to the internet for recording things so that we can watch them at later times because I love motorsports, but I love sleep more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about what else happened this weekend. Uh, the IndyCars returned to Phoenix for the first time since 2005. And I tried to watch it and my internet sucked. So I basically ended up like trying to watch it and it wasn't working and giving up. And I haven't been able to find a thing for it yet. But what I saw was awesome. And I, you obviously were at the, the Formula E race. And so you weren't really watching it. But I was, I, yeah, I, I provided you. Dude, like, we went to a bar. No, 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 no. Let me finish. Let me finish. You weren't watching the first part of it at least. Okay. Okay. And I was like watching the, the pre show and like, oh man, Sarah would laugh at this. And then I was just like, when did I, when, when did I become this person? Anyway, the race was awesome. And I hate oval tracks. I grew up in Australia on V8 supercars. There is, I, we don't do oval racing. It's, yeah, it's not something amazing. we do. Very I'm amazing. very like, uh, cause I've tried to get into NASCAR and it's just not my no, jam. But IndyCar, like I watched Indy 500 last year and I was like, oh. It's like four cars, five cars wide coming around this corner. This is pretty good. And I mean, the Phoenix is track is ridiculously tiny. Yeah, I mean, for them to go three wide at Phoenix is pretty tough, and they managed to do it this time. Uh, I feel kind of the same way. Like I've always made fun of oval racing as it just kind of being like a oh turn left NASCAR, like blah 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 blah. But it's actually really crazy and fun to watch. Um, the overtaking's nuts. It's, it's just, it's so much fun. So yeah, we ended up, um, we missed the first probably 20 minutes, half an hour of the race, but we went to a bar in Long Beach to watch the, the tail end of it. And, oh, it was just, it was so good. It was so good. I was so glad we found it on TV somewhere. Yeah. I, I would honestly be like, I don't, I own a TV, but it doesn't connect to anything other than the internet. So and my internet is notoriously crap at the moment. So I tried all these different methods and it didn't work. I tried to watch it on NBC. Just, there was no salvaging it. Um, Scott Dixon wins. The four-time IndyCar Series champion wins. I think he led, like, the final 155 laps of the race. I initially when they were like, it's 250 laps. I'm like, oh, my God, we're going to be. And then I looked up and they were like, we're 12 laps in. It's like, oh. Nope, this is pretty quick. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, it was not a not a very long race, but uh, no. So good. Scott Dixon comes first, leading 155 or 250 laps. Wins it for Penske. I think I saw somewhere that it was like one of their first wins on a short circuit, or there was something like that. I, I can't quite remember what it was. Um, Simon Pagano comes second. Boosts his points. He's now the series leader after two rounds. Yes. <laughs> and Pride of Australia, Will Power, comes third. In other news, Will Power's brother, Damien Power, has a new comedy show this week at the Melbourne International Festival, and it's called Sell Your Mother Into Slavery. Oh, dear God. <laughs> it's apparently brilliant, but I was just like, that name. Yeah, I know. Uh, other stuff that happened in Phoenix. Um, Graham Rahal was not too pleased with some of Max Chilton's moves, and they shit-talked each other in the media after, and it was beautiful. Max Chilton came eighth. He did. Which, for a rookie in his second race... Is not bad. He, he Look, he was really good. We were joking all weekend that uh, Max Chilton, being the most British driver to ever British this side of the ocean, uh, and for that, for ovals to like be his new calling, apparently, because he did really well on on ovals and Indy Lights last year, uh, is the funniest thing ever. Like I, <laughs> the most Max American of racing series. Max Chilton is every so proper British, British stereotype. He is, he is. The, the pants and the plaid and the like Land Rover like square car yep. and the hair and the cheekbones and you're just like bro like let's put you in a like have you ever seen max chilton going to the goodwood um yes yes oh my god peak i was Britain. like, peak I was like i'm sorry is, did, did we suddenly start casting a 19 like 40s british war movie are we in outlander what is happening yeah so for him to be excellent at the most american of race styles is uh i think it could only be more american if he he threw an indy car and joined nascar 
Right, right. But um, yeah, no, it's it's pretty funny. Uh, Graham Rahal was not super impressed. It was funny. I don't know. I just love how none of them are like incredibly whitewashed by you know their PR people. Uh, and they can actually say funny stuff like this in the video. Oh, man, I imagine being a PR person for an IndyCar driver would be like being a PR person for Kimi Raikkonen. No, rewarding. I don't think so. No, no, rewarding, yet painful. No, eh, I, I wouldn't even say painful, honestly, because, like, as long as they thank their sponsors, no one cares. Like, there's no backlash. Yeah, true, true. It's not like F1 where, you know, you'll get picked apart by, you know, millions of people. In IndyCar, people are just like, oh, well, all right then. We're going to see a well, throwdown. Yeah. They're like, well, he has a point. Yeah, yeah. I think probably the IndyCar people are just happy as long as they just trash talk each other and no one tries to fight anyone. They made an actual Indie Rivals video for when Ed Carpenter got mad at Sage Karam last year. They made an actual one on their actual YouTube channel. They you should have saved me. I was like, oh, my God, Ed Carpenter's being really, and then I was like, oh, it's not Joseph Newgarden and he has a problem with right. Yeah. I was like, wrong blonde American. Yeah. No, this is grumpy dad Ed Carpenter being mad about. Well, at one point, and I think I texted you this, he was talking about, um, I think he was talking about the speed or something like this, uh, and, and, the, and the commentator is like, uh, I, I'm trying to remember if it was the commentator who said it or he himself said it, but he's like, like they've looked at, and, <laughs> this is me scrolling back through our messages. I really like this message that says, to you that it says, I want to be Susie Wolf. Um, <laughs> no context, I don't even know context just I want to be Susie Wolf. Just, I want to be Susie Wolf. Um, it's not because I have a man, like, I was going to say a man crush. I have a legit crush on Toto Wolf, but still. Uh, here we are. Uh, I texted you this earlier because I saw it and thought of you. Ed grew up in Phoenix. Uh, here we are. So it must have been the commentator. And she's gone, Ed grew up coming to Phoenix for spring break, and now he's bringing his kids. And the camera pans from Ed to Joseph and he just kind of smiles and stands there. And I'm like, I think they mean him. I think they mean Joseph Newgarden is his son. And Joseph's just like, I'd like to thank the vodka company for sponsoring me. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to thank Fuzzy's Vodka for believing in me. And you're like, and, pro and probably providing you with a, like of all of, if you had to get a sponsor, I reckon an alcohol company is the best company to get sponsored with an alcohol company or like a sports gear company because those yeah. are the two best things to get free stuff on. I'm sure Sebastian Bourdais is totally stoked about all the free hydroxy cut. Oh, yeah. Seriously. Well, dude, I don't think Joseph Newgarden doesn't drink. <laughs> well, so... there's a letdown. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Joseph Newgarden has plenty of friends that oh, do yeah, drink. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like Sage Cara. And that's just oh, a Lord. blatant... <laughs> That's just a blatant stereotypical assumption based right. on his Snapchat and Instagram. Based on everything. Based on his life. Um, the, to the trash king of Nazareth. Is that, the right, <laughs> is that the right guy? That is exactly him. Yep. yep. Based on other so, people I know from Nazareth, he fits right in. So yeah. Dixon wins. Simon Pagenaud gets second. Will Powers third. Uh, Joseph Newgarden finishes sixth. Despite Charlie Kimball's best effort at just annihilating him with like the worst timed cut down. Yep. Yep. Like, that was pretty bad. Uh, uh, Max Chilton gets eighth. Technically, Alex Rossi finishes in 14th. Yeah. Even though, yeah. Yeah. That was not good. He was a couple laps down by the end because, yeah, he uh, hit the wall. It was really bad too. No, 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 wait a second. I actually think he finished as the last runner on the lead rap, according to what I had seen. But because I, I, I broke this down because I was like, oh, I thought he hit someone. But yeah. he did. There was an incident, yada, yada, yada. Alex Rossi. Listen, it's his first oval race. Everything is fine. Yeah, well, who was it? Luca Felipe? Was it his first overall race as well? Yep. He yep. got, I think he got, and it didn't go too well for Felipe. He got, uh, I think he got high. He tried to pull high to let someone pass him and pulled too high and hit some debris and spun himself out. Thankfully, he didn't take out anyone else whilst making his bad life decision. But <laughs> hey, 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 good try, kid. All claps for you. Anyways, it was a fun race to watch. Uh, Long Beach is next. That should also be fun. So, so IndyCar Long Beach, is that mm -hmm. a street circuit as well? Yeah, it's actually mostly the same circuit as the uh, Formula E one. The Formula E one is just shorter. 
So they just so, basically leave everything there and extend yeah, it? Or they they leave, have to- nope, they leave all the temporary stands and everything up. I don't know if they leave the barriers up entirely because they're going to have to, they would have to move some of them, but I would assume that they would leave, you know, at least the ones that don't get in the way up. That's a good um, way to manage costs. Yep. Share it with another rent. Well, there's a third one right in the middle of the two of them as well. They do formula drift there, uh, which I'm not exactly sure what that entails. But, um, yeah. It's the I weekend. feel like formula drift has to be, like, organized fast in the furious. Basically, I think that's exactly what it is. Um, but, yeah, that's the weekend between Formula E and uh, IndyCar. So, yeah, they've got yeah. stuff going Indus- on on that circuit three weekends in a row, which is pretty great. In Australia, there's a category called, I believe it's called Motocana. And I don't know what it's like governing body or what its competitive structure looks like, but it's basically like rally car driving mm-hmm. in a car park. Oh, Lord. And so it's like they mark the, they, they go to big shopping centers and they turn like car parks essentially into it. And it's basically like how well you can pull a handbrake turn like 26 <laughs> times around this track and i have a good friend who's apparently very good at it and um i got in his motocana car once and it's it was a it was a nissan it's not a, i want to say it was going to say it was a nissan prius but it's not that it's a it was something it's very very small it's like a suzuki swift but not quite um it's smaller than that and um, it was completely emptied out and it had racing seats and full body harnesses and like roll cages inside it and all of that kind of stuff. And it was the most insane thing I have ever been in and had someone drive me around it. It was like, yeah. And then he tried to teach me how to drive it because I can't drive a manual car. And it just went downhill from that. You should learn. Everyone should learn how to do that. It's very important. Where am I? I'm not going to go pay someone to teach me to drive a manual car. Like, I have better usages for that money. All right, fine. I mean, I can teach you on my car. When I think I have come to Boston. Or, yeah, you could do that. Or when I come to Toronto this summer, which I'm okay. doing twice. Don't go right. to Australia. Don't do the thing. When, when, it, when are you coming the first time? Uh, Mid-June. And the second time in July, I'm yep. probably away for both of them. You're a jerk. Yeah, mid-June is when my hockey team is going up there to play. And then July is the Now, I'm assuming race. when you say mid-June, it's the weekend after the Canadian Grand Prix? Yep. Yeah, I'm definitely. Yeah. There is a 90% chance I'm going to be in Australia. Look, okay. someone has offered me a free trip to Australia. And nice. all I have to do is manage a bunch of NHL players for three weeks. Oh, you're doing that? Oh, that's awesome. Potentially, yeah. And then hopefully get to stay and see my parents. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, can I boss around hockey players for three weeks? Yes. Haven't you already done that? Didn't you I do know. that? Like These ones are just job? bigger. Yeah, I know. Yeah, whatever. I know. They're fine. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about... F1. Okay, let's briefly mention the fact that Indy 500 testing, it's James Hinchcliffe returned to IMS racetrack today. Oh, for the first did time you since see? Injury. And how badass did those cars look oh, with nothing on them? I know. Oh, my God. Did, they look so fly. Did you I, see? I can't no, say listen, that. Sorry. Listen. Did you see the uh, the video about Hinch going back to IMS, though? Oh, man, I'll send you a link. We'll post a link to this later. But um, they did a whole special. Am I going to have like, a lot of feelings? Yeah, you're going to have a lot of feelings. It's it's It's... <sighs> All about his I really crash. love like, James. I just, I just really love James Hinchcliffe. He was so nice to me. He's pretty excellent. Yeah, the cars looked good. And, and if I, he said that if I make sure he gets a CWHL hat, he'll wear it. Nice. I did see that. That's excellent. Um, so I'm gonna be like for the Toronto Indy weekend. Here's, here's a hat, James. <laughs> please wear this. Please do this thing for me. Thank um, you. Love us. Yeah, so anyways, the cars at testing looked great. Um, that is the only time that Joseph's car is going to run at IMS with the white and gold livery. They're bringing in that freezer company that I can't remember the name of. To uh, the, Their car will be blue and white for the month of May, which is kind of nice. Uh, so that's the only time that livery is ever going to be seen it's being replaced for IMS? Yeah, just, just for the indie races for, for the month of May. But yeah. Right. Okay, yep. cool. Any, any news on um any news on grace auto spots any updates nothing nothing recently um oh shit i just broke something never mind um yeah no updates recently i haven't heard anything from them i'll have to keep an eye okay, on we're that we're keeping up our soon. eyes and ears peels on that because we are obviously we love our boys and our drivers but we obviously very much team grace auto sports at indy yep yeah absolutely 
Go, go. I, I might make a banner. We'll see. We'll see yeah. how that goes. Yeah. I might. Well, I won't be there, I don't think. You'll be yelling about it on the internet. It'll be yeah, great. I'll be yelling. Okay. Let's talk about Formula One. Before we get into Bahrain, um, I was totally like kind of ambivalent when this season started. I was like, oh, yeah, Formula One's coming back. And if I disregard all of the bullshit, this season has been awesome so far because those two races have been like, by the time Australia finished, I was like, I remember why I love Formula One. (laughs) And then Bahrain was pretty great too. And so now I'm kind of like, well... I'm back now. Everything's fine. <laughs> Everything yeah, is I glorious mean, as long as I just ignore Bernie Eccleston. Yeah, that's unfortunately hard to do. Uh, I mean, he's just, he's that just we've the had worst. The same three guys on the podium, pretty much. At least the way they've gotten there has been interesting, yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. If someone said to me, uh, it's going to be Rosberg, Hamilton, Vettel for the season opener, and then Rosberg, Raikkonen, Hamilton, I'd be like, ugh. But, but it's great. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's actually been like, like, they haven't been, they haven't been those races where you've just penciled in, um, like, the top Nico 10. And Lewis winning, right? Yeah. Like, it yeah. just hasn't been like, oh, Mercedes qualified at the front. That's just how it's going to be. Like, yeah. So, there was, an, so let's start with the first thing. Fernando Alonso walks away from his crash in Australia. He goes to the medical thing and they declare him good to go fit. During that week, Fernando Alonso's like, my chest really hurts. I should get someone to look at this. Turns out Fernando Alonso has both fractured ribs and a lung puncture. And so in hockey terms, we know this as the Patrice Bergeron. Yes. So, Although he played a hockey game. With all that stuff. Yes, well, so. I'm assuming Fernando Alonso. Well, no, no, no. They, he played a hockey game and then they realized he was injured. He didn't play the hockey game with the knowledge. No, no, of, no, 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 no. They knew because they gave him a shot in the ribs before oh, game okay. six. I don't think they realized that it had punctured his lung. Hmm. I seem and to remember so, differently, but so that's fine. Fernando Alonso is not, not clear racing to race. this weekend. No. And this is this brings up actually quite interesting discussion and it brought up it definitely, definitely pissed off Ron Dennis. And firstly, it seems like everything pisses off Ron Dennis. Who happens to be happens to be the angriest man alive and also the grumpiest man alive. A fact that Red Bull's uh Paddock Spy has definitely noticed and made fun of. Ron Dennis thinks that Formula One teams should be allowed to make the call on their own driver's fitness themselves. Because other teams do this, other sports do this. I think, personally, this is the worst idea ever. Yep, I agree. Um, I mean, <laughs> that because kinda... there is a diff- there is a difference between a football player with a damaged knee going and playing, or a Formula One driver with a punctured lung who's going to get into a car and go around corners at five G. Yeah, like yeah. there's a little bit of a difference there. Sorry. Okay, I was like, there's silence because we're all in agreements. And I was also like, I actually think Sarah may have just fallen asleep. I spaced but out look, a little bit. I'm not um, feeling good. <laughs> it, 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 look, I'm, I'm really glad that they said no. And then they said no the second time when he turned up before qualifying. I was like, yeah. but please, guys, please. I think he went and talked to them during uh, FP2, actually. Because yeah. he was like, oh, I'm feeling better. Well, too bad. And they're like, no, the x-ray shows your... Still fractured. Because I mean seriously, fractured rib, get in a car, go five G, something displaces. You could you could literally puncture your spleen and have bled out before the race finishes. Yeah. Like this is not we don't think you can get out of the car or which you would fail. This anyway, is we think we you might think, actually die. This could kill you, so yeah. let's not. So Fernando Ronzo is declared unfit on I believe the Thursday. McLaren puts Stoffel Van Dorn on a plane. From Japan to Bahrain, yeah. which thankfully is not that far. What? Yes, it is. Are you kidding me? So no, he had to fly mean, all the way across Asia. Come on, that is not a long. That's not a short flight. He had to fly to the Middle East. It's not that bad. It could be worse if he had to fly to Europe or the US or somewhere like. That. Look, I have different standards for travel distance to everyone else. Okay. Okay. Fine. Whatever. Uh... Look. <laughs> Outside of Malaysia, Singapore, or China, it's probably the closest race. 
Maybe Australia. What? You froze again. I'm glad you froze because you can't contradict me. And even if I'm wrong, I don't care. So when you come back from this, I'm going to continue to be right. And we're going to talk about qualifying. Dude, Japan is further. Nope, still not back. There you are. Well, are we good? Yeah, we're good. All right, anyways, you're wrong. And we're going to continue. But let's keep going. (laughs) So uh, we have FP1, FP2, FP3, Jensen Button. Scared, like confuses everyone by putting the McLaren at the third fastest time on P2, and then just oh, it's, yes. it just sucks for the rest of the weekend because and Jensen's like, well, I'm pleasantly surprised, but now everyone else turns up our engine and we their engine and we don't actually have a turn up setting. Yeah. Um. So what happened with that was I have a coworker who is from Spain and he's a giant McLaren fan, and he texted me like in our office group chat to be like, did you see what Jensen Button did? And I was like, no, I've been at Long Beach for Formula E. And, yeah, that was pretty funny. And then it wasn't. It's a great story, huh? Yeah, she was like, it was funny, and then nothing happened. It was funny that, you know, McLaren fans actually got excited for nothing. McLaren fans were like, this is the best outcome in... But, look, uh, K-Mags got got punished for the world's most confusing Weybridge violation. And we get to qualifying on Sunday. No Nando... We have Stroffel Van Dorn making his qualifying debuts. And we got the same, we got the second running of the, the terrible the qualifying. Terrible qualifying. And guess what? It was still terrible. Right. There were I heard that there were still no cars running in the last three minutes. Like yeah. Lewis Hamilton didn't did his first qualifying lap in Q3, finished P4, and then went out again and finished P1, and then no one yeah. tried. Because what are you gonna do? You can't well, well, in three Lewis minutes. Hamilton- you can't yeah. in three minutes do a warm up lap and then a flyer. You can't do a, you can't do an out lap and a you can't do an out lap and a flyer in an, in in three minutes. And I, I'm literally looking at this calendar. I'm like, no, no, it's it, it, at a minute thirty for a lap. You can't do it. You need two, three and a half, four. Yeah. Um, Lewis Hamilton sets a flying lap of essentially the last minute, uh, knocking off Nico Rosberg. So Nico Rosberg had just set a track record. Which Lewis Hamilton broke. Uh, breaking the previous track record set by personal favorite of mine, Mark Weber. There is my mention for the show. It only uh, took 35 minutes this time. It's okay. I actually have it on I actually have it written in here. Old record, Mark Weber mentioned to annoy Sarah. Oh, um, Nico Rosberg, I believe, set a track record. At which point, Lewis Hamilton came out and was like, "Yo, anything you can do, I can do better." Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, Lewis Hamilton sets a track record of one twenty nine four nine three, and we get as we've gotten a lot this season. Hamilton, Rosberg, Vettel, Raikkonen is your starting four. Um, Stoffel Van Dorn qualified in twelfth, which is pretty freaking good for your first for your first showing. Um, there is I'm looking at these notes. There's really nothing else to write home to. The Renaults were terrible. Actually, Sergio Perez qualified 18th and Hulkenberg 8th. So, look, it was a shit weekend for Force India everywhere, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, but it started in qualifying. Um, Pascal Wehrlein qualified in 16th, which is the second highest ever qualifying by Mana. Uh, the next, the previous qualifying, I believe, was when uh, Jules Bianchi made it into P2 in a year I can't remember. And it was 2014. But I can't remember which race it was. Yeah, I don't remember. I do remember that, though. I just, yeah, I wish I could remember which race it was. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, uh, amazing qualifying by Pascal Wehrlein. Everyone was talking about it. And we get to Sunday. Before we get to Sunday, everyone has another meeting about the qualifying. And everyone decides they haven't made any decisions. (laughs) They've decided to have another meeting. A meeting about the meeting. What a good time. That's so dumb. It's absurd. And it's just like the best part of all the absurdity, though, is just how pissed Toto Wolf is with it all. Like, Toto Wolf is done. And so is, like, like uh, Maurizio Riva Bene, also done. Christian Horner, pretty done. Eric Bullier, just, just, yeah, well, I think it's, you know, I was like, oh, come on, Eric, you're done with this. <laughs> the best of it, though, is Nikki. They're like, has anything changed? Nikki's like, no, it's still done. It's still this and it's still stupid. And he walks up, and I was like, Man, I love you, Nikki Lana. 
Never change. He nope. won't. He's ancient. He's not going to change, but still. So. <laughs> anyway, so Sunday morning rolls around. We Firstly, get up at 7 o'clock in, in the morning and uh, drive up to Santa Monica and we go to this F1 bar. And it's sweet. It, there's like, there's people from Boston that I knew that were out there visiting that, that we hung out with. And we got to meet all sorts of people and had the race on every TV with the NBC commentators who are fantastic. And, you know, it was They're great. They're really growing on me, the NBC commentators. Right? So it was yeah. great, too, because um, at least during commercial breaks, everyone had their phones out. So we still knew what was going on. Um, watching as a group with commercials is not the worst thing in the world. No, because you've got other people to, you can talk in the commercials. Yep, yep, so it worked out really well. Uh, we rolled in two laps into the race, which meant, unfortunately, we missed the initial uh, viewing of Valtteri Bottas' rage spiral. Okay, uh, so so let's get to the race start. Firstly, Lewis Hamilton turns up on the day wearing full Middle Eastern attire, which, I feel like the only, and, and this is the unspoken thing, everyone knows the only reason no one called him racist. Anyway, Seb's car blows up on the opening lap, on, on the formation lap. Yep. First of all, there's like all this smoke coming out and he's like, I think the engine failed. No shit, kid. Like, <laughs> we're were, also pretty sure it failed. They were talking about that possibly being related to uh, the problems Kimmy had in Australia because similar um, yeah issues similar looking issues so lots we'll of see. fire a turbo failure or whatever yeah. yeah so we get to the start <laughs> it's not as dramatic as the previous week's start there's no two ferraris taking the front right at the start uh but we get to the first corner and it is on <laughs> the valkyrie bodas rage spiral starts yes Angry Finns forever. It was like a demolition <laughs> derby. I'm like watching it. There's like shrapnel and bits of fiberglass and stuff flying everywhere. And I was like, dang. Yeah, I was watching it. That's like, okay, Rosberg. Where's the Hamilton? Yep. <laughs> I'm like, what's up? And it's like, Hamilton is an eighth. And I just was like, yeah, I can. Yep. So this is going to be oh. a good one. I was like, I'm ready for this. <laughs> yeah. It was so Bottas gets a drive-through penalty for it, which I you know, I didn't quite agree with. I figured it was more of I thought it was more of a racing incident than a, a penalty worthy incident. But but anyway, he's in it. Look, the Toro Rossos are in it. Carlos Sainz, I think, has a flat already. Um I think Perez or Hulkenberg or someone else had a flat or a front wing damage or all this kind of stuff. Hamilton decides he can limp through to the first pit stop. And so he's not doing too well, but he's but he's hanging in there. Jensen Button's car dies. Yep, yep. So, so by the time the race starts, we were already down to twenty. We've lost Jolene Palmer before the race. Like, like he pulls in, and then Vettel's car implodes. So we're already down two cars by then. Uh, two DNSs. Button retires on the sixth lap. Yep. Gutierrez manages to get to nine laps. That poor child. I don't know what's wrong with that car. I like I have this uh, I have this chart in in my book here where I keep track of like all the results of all the drivers for all the races and it's like and then where they are in the standings. Um, Gutierrez and Fernando Alonso are currently the only two drivers that have no ranking because neither of them have finished either race. Gutierrez hasn't finished either race, and Fernando didn't finish the first and then didn't compete in the second. So it's basically like they're dead last. Like, Rio Harianto is higher ranked than Esteban Gutierrez at this Ugh. point in time. Come on, Gutierrez. Get your shit together. You got to represent America and take down that jerk. It's very important. I actually saw a song uh, yesterday, I think, that I tweeted. I was look, listening to Panic at the Disco. And they have a oh, song from this. one of the old albums called I Constantly Thank God for Esteban. Yep, I saw that. I remember and that I song, it, actually. And I was like... Well, and then I was like, well, actually, he probably needs to do some things before we thank God for Esteban. Van mm-hmm. Haas, I'm thanking God for Romain Grosjean. Oh. And for whoever in their legal department is really good at interpreting the bylaws that allow purchasing from Ferrari while still claiming to be a, a non-customer team. Listen, they're the most American no, thing. No, 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 I know. 
it's so American for them to be using Italian parts and a French driver and, you know, the Delara chassis, which is from somewhere else probably. And just, it's a mishmash of different nationalities all coming together to be more awesome than, you know, everyone else. That's America. That's America right there. No, no, no. no. So great. That's the American dream. And that's what the progressive, Shut sensible up, members of America identify. I love how you're like, America is a multicultural melting pot. It's really, like, really, really, tell me more about this. Shut up. Just let me have this. Let me have this. If you're about America in a realistic sense, yes, a lot of America is built on the hard work of people from lots of different countries coming together, particularly the American ideal of new immigration after World War II. Yeah. However... Pretending. <laughs> I know, but here's the thing. It is the American dream. When Rogro yelled that, I was very excited. <laughs> I was like, in the American. I loved the people that were like grumpy about it. They're like, what would Romain Grosjean know about the American dream? I'm like, literally everything. Literally, that's what he's doing right now. Like, this is the American dream coming to America and having success. Yeah. You go, Rogro. Relating like- the regulations to your advantage. This is actually a really interesting discussion. Um, I saw the guys on Sky Sports having this discussion about what would you prefer? Would you prefer a team to to essentially uh, – and, and obviously teams aren't happy with this. I believe Williams and particularly like the likes of Force India and Sauber, uh, particularly Force India, are really unhappy with this because they're like, we've done the work to be, you know, constructors or, or, or the likes and um, – or whatever we are. They're not constructors. Are they constructors? Yeah, yeah, they're constructors. We've done the work, and then these guys have just come in and ridden on Ferrari's coattails. But someone also raised the other part. Is what Formula One needs really another team to come and sit around the back with, like, Mana and Salva for another three seasons? No. that's That's not good for the sport. Haas F1 is great for the sport. Yeah, I agree. For, for reasons beyond just America. For reasons like, beyond that. Like, of course honestly, you agree. You're American. The only reason Force India is mad about it is because, you know, they suddenly they have right competition now. and they suck. So Yeah, yeah. Well, I would be mad if I was Force India too. Force India is currently one, two, three. Oh, here's my chart. Force India is currently seventh in the standings and Haas is fifth. Haas currently has 18 points to Force India's six. Yep. And that's with so only I, one driver finishing the races. Yeah, yeah, that's only with two recorded finishes compared to Force India's four. Yeah. Sounds like a you problem, Force India. Get your shit together. Yeah. Well, Force India, I believe, didn't record any points this weekend. Um, which I could tell you if I knew the point weighting. Yeah, Sergio Perez hasn't scored any points this season, and Nico Hulkenberg scored points in Australia, but not this weekend. So it's been a bit of a rough start for Force India. No, it's too bad. <laughs> Sucks to suck. As you Go and I both <laughs> want to say, you know what, Force India? That's a you problem. Yeah, it sounds like a you problem, guys. Not an us problem. Us, we want to see the best racing we can, and Haas... Yeah. I'm all Watching. for this. That being said, I love Haas's, uh, I believe Gunther Steiner is Austrian. Is he Austrian? Yes. Yeah. I he think. sounds, he's either Austrian or German. He's somewhere in there. But he just sounds so Austrian. And I just love it. It's like this big American team and you've got Gene Haas, who's all like America. And then you get to Gunther Steiner with this thick, thick accent. Mm-hmm. You know what the most beautiful part about this is, too, is uh, watching Romain Grosjean, like, move through the field and then have a great finish, and then his engineer gets on the radio, and you're just like, America! (laughs) Dude, that was great! Oh, my God. American team with an American engineer, an American, uh, obviously, owner. You've got an Austrian uh, team principal. You've got a Mexican driver and a French driver with a mostly Italian car. I love it. I love it so much. It's great. I love it. It's uh, <laughs> hand claps for diversity in F1. I'm seriously just waiting for the day that Grosjean tries out a NASCAR, calls someone dude, and wears a 10 no. gallon hat again. Like, I can't wait till Roman Grosjean crosses the line and busts out some Talladega Nights references. God, please. Like, he needs to steal, he needs to steal Seb's shake and bake. Or was it Lewis? Someone said shake and bake one year. Uh, I just want him to look us around and just be like, 
If you ain't first, you're last. You're last. <laughs> Romain, oh Grosjean, no, Romain Grosjean needs to win, needs to come second or third, and someone asks him how he feels, and he needs to look down the camera and be like, "If you're not first, you're last," and walk yeah. away. Actually, do you know who had the best line of the weekend? And he clearly thought this line through because I think I saw it on three different channels. I heard him say it to NBC. I think I saw it on Sky, and I saw it on the C4 Grid Walk as well. They asked Valtteri Bottas what he thought he could do in the race. And he said, well, I feel like having some Red Bull, so I'll do that during the race. And, like, walked away. And I was like, well played. Lack of human emotion, well played. He just kind of, like, looks in the camera, delivers the line and kind of smirks and walks away. It's like smirking is literally the only expression the Finnish people have. <laughs> like, they have blank and smirking. I mean, that's that's pretty accurate. Um, I want Grosjean to be interviewed and win the race and beat Lewis Hamilton and just be like, you are fast, Lewis Hamilton, but I'm faster. <laughs> I so feel like please. we need to create a list of, of potential Talladega Nights quotes and the appropriate times for, for Romain to I'm gonna write this and then just send it to us. For like- I am seriously going to watch that movie sometime in the next few days and I will make this a thing. This is a post. These are potential lines handpicked for Roman Grosjean or Esteban. For Esteban. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's funnier when it's Rogo because obviously the character Jean Gerard. Jean Gerard. He basically is, is Jean Gerard. He is Jean Gerard. I've got it for you like a Bobby. To be perfectly honest though, everyone coming out and being like, oh Roman Grosjean is Jean Gerard kind of makes me a little angry because you know who's actually Jean Gerard? Simon Pagano. Simon Pagano. Like, he's actually... Broke. I knew where this was going. I can see where this is going. <laughs> like, he looks so, like him. It's just everything is perfect. So, the race was great. Lots of shit happened. Uh, <laughs> Seb's car blew up. The start was great. Uh, Carlos Sainz retired with damage, I think, or, or something along those lines. Um, Pascal Worldline was awesome. I mean, he is. That's true. Uh, he gained, uh, so he finishes the race in 13th after starting 16th, gained three places. Uh, it's pretty good. You yeah. know, he was, it's pretty good. You know and it gives everyone some hope. And, and you know, you know what was mentioned during the race? Kevin Magnussen came over the radio. Uh, he was battling, I believe, Worline at one point, And he, he said, he's like, oh, he's like, that, that, that manor is like a rocket on the straights. <laughs> the car isn't shit. Oh my god! No, it is still, but you know, it's well. Here's the thing: it's, it's less, less shit than shit last than it year. Used to be. Yeah. It's less shit, possibly, than this. It's definitely less shit than the Sauber. Okay, it is not the worst car on track. No, you know, maybe, we no, no, wait, wait. Maybe the, the maybe the manor being driven by Rio Harrianto is the worst car on track, but the okay. manor being driven by Pascal Verlaine definitely is. And to compound on that, that kid too. Had and to compound on that too, that makes me so sad because you know where I'm going with this. Alexander Rossi battled a Sauber at the USGP last year and he had him on the corners. He absolutely had him on the corners. Yeah, and on the straightaways, yeah. they just got blown out of the water. Imagine what he could do this year. A pe- Look, a man of team of Rossi and Wehrlein could stir some shit up I'm this trying. year, right? It would be amazing, time. but... Mana also needs to be able to afford. Mana also needs to be able to afford to fund their existence as a team, and that is what Rio Harrianto brings. Um, Harrianto brings. No, 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 no. That's wrong. Uh, they gave Rossi a figure. He matched it. Yeah, Rio no, 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 no. Came rolling in with about five times as much. They turned around <laughs> and said, "Okay, well, we're we're going to go with this guy instead." Yeah, uh, yeah. They could have they could have funded their year with Rossi's money. They could yeah, have yeah, they funded it. But... Yeah, they could have. But if you ha- look, I love Alex Rossi. If I was a team principal and someone said to me, you can have this kid that's really good or you can have this kid that's going to bring you five times the money and you guys aren't really going to be competing, you're, you're, Mano, is, Mano is competing in a different championship to the, the big teams. You're, it becomes harshly about having a good driver and they do have a great driver. They've got Pascal Wehrlein. Pascal Wehrlein is going to be great for them. So when you have the eyes of having a second really good kid or, like, lots and lots of money. Yeah, yeah. You take lots and lots of money. You know what I hope ends up happening? 
honestly, is I hope Rossi does pretty decently in IndyCar. Remember, do you remember back when Gene Haas was trying to figure out who his drivers were going to be? And he was like, oh, I want guys with experience. Yep. Well, guess who's going to have experience after this year? Yes, but... What if I have an American driver on an American team? But if I'm Gene Haas and I want a driver with experience, do I want a driver with F1 experience or is IndyCar's experience sufficient? He does have F1 experience. Yes, but I, I mean, when... When if, if if he counted what Rossi had previously done as enough experience, he may be there now. He's like looking yeah, for, a, you know, like when he says experience, what I think he probably means and evidenced by picking both Gutierrez and Frajan is drivers with F1 experience and a full season at least of it. If not, I think Gutierrez has two or three seasons. Well, he also picked these guys, you know, before Rossi had even done his manner stint. Yeah, and, no, and, no, and, but, I mean, I would honestly like to see how Gutierrez finishes out the year. Yeah. And if, if, you know, if it's not great. Is it a one-year deal or a two-year deal? Or what's Gutierrez on? Yeah, I have yeah. no idea. And the, the other part of it also is, is um, uh, what was I going to say? Drivers who've made the jump from IndyCar to F1, has there been any going that way? Or has it all been F1 to IndyCar? Oh, I don't know. I don't. Well, I mean, because usually the, most of the drivers in IndyCar are American. Um, and you, we all know that there has not been an American driver since Scott Speed. Um, but, you know, I, there's no real precedent for what he's done just because he did F1 first, then IndyCar, then, you know, and he's also being the reserve driver for Manor this year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. There's no real precedent for it. So we'll who is the reserve driver for Manor this year? It's Rossi. He's the reserve driver still? Yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah. Yep. I thought it was like um, Jordan King with the reserve. Jordan King is the Jordan King is the like fourth. He's the simulator guy. He's what Carmen Jorda is or was at Lotus, basically. Just with potentially more driving ability. Uh, I don't know about that. Jordan King also <laughs> brings a lot of money in his dad. <laughs> no, I was about so. to say. I was about to say. I'm pretty sure Jordan King's dad is involved yep. in this too. I think we had this discussion because every time someone rags on Jordan, I'm like, oh, yeah, because A, B, C, D, and E all got their positions through talent. Yeah, no, no, no. So, um, anyway. Speaking of Carmen, I believe there is an upcoming feature with her with Natalie Pinkham. And I'm going to say Sky because I think Natalie Pinkham is Sky. I saw some pictures from it today, so I'll keep my eye out for that. Yeah. Um, Rosberg wins the race. Kimi Raikkonen comes second. Hamilton scrapes his way back to third. Kimi Raikkonen seems to always get the podium in Bahrain when there's no alcohol, and he always looks really disappointed. My favorite part of this, though, was his uh, girlfriend's Instagram about something about, like, I hope someone else gives him alcohol because I'm not looking after him. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, well played, well played. I like it. She's pretty funny. I like it. She's quite funny. Mm-hmm. Um, that Look, the race was pretty freaking good. Yeah, there was lots of overtaking. It was, uh, you know, Hamilton had to actually fight his way back up the pack instead of just leading the whole time. Um, yep. Rosberg just led the whole time, which... Rosberg led the whole fine. time and won his fifth straight race, three last season to this season. Yep. Now, there is the stat going around that nobody who's won five straight races, sorry, everybody who's won five straight races has gone on to win the championship. Now, as much as everyone's like, ooh, is this a promotion... Rosberg hasn't won five straight races in a single season. So I feel this is not at all applicable because those points, like five straight races is a massive points game, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're not in the same season. So it doesn't matter. They're not in the same season. You're not throwing them an advantage. There's no proof that Hamilton wasn't sandbagging at the end of last year. So. Oh, Hamilton gave up at the end of last year. Hamilton was like, well, I won the world championship, like whatever. Yeah, that's definitely what it seemed like. In other Nico Rosberg news, Nico Rosberg saved a child's life between Australia and Monaco, uh, Australia and uh, Bahrain. He what? saw a kid in trouble in the surf in Monaco, dived in, swam out, rescued the kid, and came back. 
Uh, the team confirmed this was correct. Uh, he is not talking about it, doesn't want to talk about it, yada, yada, yada. But Nico Rosberg, actual life-saving hero. Actual hero, Nico Rosberg. Oh, what a guy. What a guy. Actual, like, <laughs> I don't understand this guy. This guy is super smart, super attractive, really good at the world's best, like, like most glamorous motorsport. Actually a good person. Speaks, like, five or six languages. Like, can juggle. Riding a unicycle. Like, what kind And dresses himself well. He does. And is a good dad. You, you want to hear one bad thing that just recently happened today? His name showed up in the Panama Papers. Oh, of course they did. Yeah. Of course yeah. they did. So, well, it's because I'm he's sorry, from Monaco you and, you know, he, he funnels all of his earnings through, like, eight different companies. Like, that's just apparently what you do when you're in a rich. Part so. of me... Look, part, yeah. I'm not look, surprised. I was like... There's a reason they all live in Monaco. It's because they means they can keep he grew up there. a lot of their money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he actually grew up there, which he grew up there because his dad moved Let's there for that yeah, reason. Of course. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, they, so this came out today and all of his representatives have, you know, insisted that all of his, you know, money-making channels and all that stuff is completely legit. Everything is lawful. And honestly, I wouldn't put that past them to be doing everything right. You know, I'm sure everything just got red flagged because, you know, yeah, it's the same company. It's the same company that did some bad stuff, but they're handling yeah. his money too. I don't, I don't know. I, every time I don't someone know gets annoyed about, about every time someone gets annoyed about people who offshore money, I'm like, the problem is not the people or the companies that offshore money. It's the regulations that allow them to do it. Yeah. yeah. Like if you've got money and he, someone says to you, here's a way to keep 25% more of it, you do it. I would do that. Yep. Like, it's just that they shouldn't be allowed to, which is a totally different story for non, not us. We talk about motorsports. We don't talk about politics and, and business right, and things right. like that. Unless but anyways, it's actually I the thought business it was politics of F1. I thought it was interesting that his name did show up in there. That's newsworthy. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I guess, Luca, yeah. Luca de Monte, I can't pronounce his last name because I'm Luca de Montezemolo? Yeah, his name showed up in there too. And so, did Yarno, so did Yarno Truly. Noted Formula E team failure, you know, truly. You know, they're not in it wow. anymore. Oh, I was going to tell you. So now we're going to talk about Long Beach. That's Let's talk about Long Beach. Sarah Connors, take it away. You know who was at Long Beach this this uh, weekend? Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio. Wait, wait, doesn't he, isn't, he, isn't he involved with Venturi? Yeah, yeah. He's part owner of Venturi. And also it's Long Beach. It's like right down the street from, yeah, yeah. from LA. Got my car, drove down, figured I'd see what's up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so some of the drivers had pictures with him, which was pretty funny. Um, no, it was, it was fun. So Liz and I flew in Thursday night. Uh, we rented our car. We go to drive to like the place we're staying. We take a wrong turn. We end up on Shoreline Drive. I drove half the track by accident. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. This looks familiar. No, why are there why are there barricades? Oh god, there's the start finish line. We messed up. But uh no, we got to I did that once I drove around the uh, Australian uh, the Australian Grand Prix track whilst yeah, they had yeah. it mostly set up. It's pretty good. Yeah. It, it was pretty it was pretty fun. Coming across the start finish line. Woo. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get up Friday, we went and got our credentials, we went and, you know, bummed around the media center, went to the paddock. The paddock before everyone got there was, like, really quiet and kind of, you know, really interesting. Um, and the media center, they had this thing set up where it was, um, uh, apparently in Formula E now, they're going to have most of the races set up in virtual reality. So you can use, like, an Oculus yes. Rift or, yep. like, an HTC yep. device and... They had one set up where you could, you know, look at last year's Long Beach race. And uh, it is really, really immersive. Um, I did not, I've never tried anything like that before. I don't know if you've tried it before, Saski, but. I know I haven't. No. So the, the way it fits over your face, you literally feel like you are in whatever virtual reality space and like your movements are all tracked and everything. And they set up these towers uh, with little cameras on them. So that you you can only like stand in the square of space mapped out by the cameras, so yep. you don't end up running into walls or anything, which is really great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I saw Jean Eric Byrne and Nelson Piquet had them on at one point, and they ran into each other. And that was wonderful. <laughs> uh, but they haven't set up so. That on video. Uh, there are photos. There are definitely photos. Yeah. Um, they had it set up so that 
the one of the cameras you could look at you, you could basically bounce yourself around the circuit and watch the race from different angles you could also watch it from inside the car so it feels like you're driving the car and the graphics aren't the best yet but it feels like you're driving the car around the circuit you know the sound is all there they they give you these big noise canceling headphones so it feels like you're really in the car and really there and you have these little little clickers and you can click between like the different cars and um it's all very immersive it's fantastic so if if anyone out there is listening and you get to a formula e race and you have the chance to try this stuff out do it it's really really cool so yeah on friday they brought all the drivers in let them all try the this thing out, it was right next to the media pen. So it was kind of a little chaotic, like all the drivers wanted to try it, but they also all had to do interviews and everyone was yeah. kind of running around. They had shit to do. Yep, yep, yep. So it, that was fun. It was really interesting to kind of see how that all worked. Um, the press conference we got to sit on, sit in on was, uh, you know, not super exciting. Um, the media pen was really the the fun part. Uh, we ended up talking to the two Dragon Racing guys and the two Amlin, Agur- uh, Amlin, Aguri, Amlin Andretti drivers. Uh, just because those are the two American teams, we're going to put together a big feature on Formula E in the United States. Um, everyone's excited about the potential of a New York race, which is really, really exciting for me because that's four hours from my house. Yes. And they all want it to be in Central Park because can you imagine a race in Central Park? Like the one in England, you know, being at whatever it's called, Battery. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. What the name no, I can't imagine yeah. in Central Park because they would never let that happen. Ah, oh, you'd be surprised, honestly. Oh. There there have been some, like, massive concerts and stuff in Central Park, and the fact that it would all be self-contained within the park and wouldn't shut down any actual roads means that, I mean, it's the same thing with Battersea in London. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty easy to set up, you know, quick grandstands and everything. Yeah. Uh, plus, there are parts of Central Park that have a lot less coverage in terms of, like, trees. So you could definitely get much better views than you did in Battersea. Basically, everything in America is better than everything in England. So obviously, this race would be amazing. Um, So that was fun to talk about. The actual race itself was really cool. We watched qualifying. We watched free practice one from the fan village because we all went go-karting, which was really fun. Free practice two, we watched from the, the complex near the last turn, which had really great views. They had set up the grandstand in such a way that you got to see like an entire S curve. Yeah. That was fun. And then qualifying, we watched from turn three, we found out we could actually access the photo holes on the circuit. So, you know, we're looking through the fences and everything and it's really got really close to everything. Um, And then we watched the actual race from turn one, which was the chicane that everyone kept messing up on in qualifying. Um, was really fun. We actually found a photo hole that wasn't open, so we just opened it ourselves. You know, whatever. It's there. We might as well. This is America. Um, opened the photo hole, stood there, checked it out. I'll be like, this is America. I'm like, I don't think no, it works really like that. But it, did, okay. it did in this case. Um, so yeah, it was super great. I mean, that first... You know, when the first, the start, the first lap um, was really, really exciting. You know, having that whole pack go by you at top speed was just fantastic. And, you know, we're only like maybe 10 feet from the cars. Uh, It was just incredible. I mean, I've never, I've never experienced anything like that. And the cars sound so much better in person than they do on TV. You don't, there's like a, a note to the, to the engine that you just don't get on the TV broadcast. Yeah, obviously, everything obviously sounds better in uh, her. But I think specifically with this cars, where one of the major complaints is that they're so quiet, um, they're really not, honestly. Like, you can hear each other talk when the cars go by, but, I mean, it's no worse than the V6s. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, that was fantastic. Um, You know, obviously, the ABT team got two spots on the podium, and Steph Sarazan split them, which was, yeah, he's a Venturi driver. So, Leo got to see one of his boys on the podium, which is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, Simona came ninth, which was great. So, yeah, America, and also women in motorsports. Mahindra had their best ever finish. I think they had two drivers. Both of their drivers were in the top seven. Um, Dragon also did pretty well. They had both of their drivers in the top ten. yeah, it was really great. It was a fantastic experience. The weather was beautiful. The beach was right there. We went to the Santa Monica Pier on Sunday morning. I went to a Ducks game Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Um, California's excellent. And then I came back here and it's snowing. And I'm upset about it. And now I'm sad about everything. Yeah. 
So long reach E pre thumbs up from Sarah Connors for a second yep. time. Yep. Yeah. I, I hope that they stick with that venue for a long time because uh, it's really virtual. Yeah. Walkable. You know, it's, it's, everything is great. I actually, I don't know if I told you this, but I, one of Mahindra's like subsections of their company is a, a, a like an electric vehicle company called Gen Z where they make scooters and they make bikes. Uh, and I ended up test driving one of their bikes around the paddock all day Friday. Uh, and I'm buying an electric bike. I, I, <laughs> I, I, bought, I bought one. I, I called the guy today and said, yep, give me the thing. And it's actually going to come with Mahindra stickers all over it. Like it's the Mahindra branded, the team branded bike that all the guys rode around all, all weekend. And oh, that's kind so of fantastic. Yep. It's like an actual bike, but for lazier people. It is. That's exactly what it is. So it has three modes. You can pedal it. You can get pedal assist where it gives you like a boost, um, which is good for hills, I guess. And then there's a, a mode where if you're just not feeling it, you can just ride it around like a moped. Like it's 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 really fantastic. Okay, this is actually really really. Oh man, I need one of these. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I will. I'll make nice, videos right. of it. How 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 many pretty pennies is that electric bike costing? You know, it's twelve hundred. Which honestly, for an electric bike, the, the the price was reasonable, which is why I went for it. So, yeah, yeah. Um, well, Sarah Connors, yeah. I don't think we actually have any Ask TGG questions. We have a couple, but way. we're going to save them for next time. You know what we also have for next time? Yeah. We're going to talk to Naomi Panter from Mahindra Racing. That's going to be amazing. I'm pretty pumped about I it. I am looking forward to this. And you know what else I'm looking forward to? Actually having a voice where we interview someone. Oh, my someone. God, seriously. That was so bad. <laughs> but, yeah, no. I'm really looking forward to not having laryngitis when we interview someone because it turned into, like, this one-person kind of interview with me just watching, and it just it – Yeah, just... it sucks. But, yeah, we've got – So we're going to interview Naomi Panther from Mahindra yes. Racing and Formula E. Uh, I am super looking forward to it, particularly someone who works in communications and media relations. Yeah. Like, She's fantastic. Awesome. spent tons of time with her this yes. weekend, like – we basically just hung around the Mahindra garage for a, a significant chunk of time all weekend, and it was fantastic. It was great. I'm very, very jealous. So, Sarah Connors, I think that's probably a good place for us to wrap up this episode. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think you're right. So, for another round of The Grid Girls, I am Saskia Stewart. I'm you Sarah are. Connors. And we will see you at the next one. Oh, yeah, China, let's do the thing.